So as I have been prefacing most of the sermons lately, as we go by verse by verse through Colossians, this is a generic word for everybody. This is not a word for anyone in particular. We happen to be here in this passage. I said, Lord, you've got to... When I first read this passage during the week, I said, Lord, I don't know what to preach on on this passage. But I believe he gave me a, a message to share today. This is what the Lord put on my heart to share with you. So anyway, we're in Colossians chapter 4. Turn with me there. are only three verses today. Verses 7, 8, and 9. Colossians 4, verses 7, 8, and 9. Let me read it and then we'll pray. Tychicus. Now say that five times. Anyway, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Dear Lord, here we are in this little passage of Scripture. We welcome your Holy Spirit to illumine your word in our mind and heart and spirit that we could apply some great things to our personal lives and to the life of this church. Holy Spirit, come. Take this message, Lord. Help me to preach it, share it the way you want. Let it be heard and received and applied the way you want as well. Lord, as we often pray, in the process of the proclamation of your word, we pray that you will be glorified and your church will be edified In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So I'm speaking about, uh, Paul is addressing, uh, or speaking about some very special people that he's sending to the church of Colossae to minister the love of Christ. Uh, Verses uh, 7 through 9, if if you look in your Bible, verses 10 through 14, verses 15 and 17, mention lots and lots of people's names. Names that Paul loves and trusts. So this message, in my understanding, gets personal. Because he's naming people. I often wonder, would someone mention my name in a positive way? as a good representative for what they're doing, or as a good minister of the gospel? Would I be recommended, could I be trusted to deliver some important information? Or or does my name towards people come with baggage and thoughts about my own uh, insecurities or my own, uh, my own problems or my own, uh, uh, issues that I'm dealing with. What do people think of me when they hear my name? Are they cautious or am I trustworthy? Am I viewed as someone who can handle it or am I viewed as someone that's needy and needs a lot of attention Well, verses 7 through 9, I believe we're meeting two dear friends, faithful friends, strong men of God, of Paul's, Tychicus and Onesimus. If you go on, let's just look at this for a second. Just follow down verses 10 through the end of the chapter, actually. There's Aristarchus, there's there's Jesus, Justice, there's uh, Epaphras, there is Luke, yes, that Luke. There's Demas, there's Nympha, there's Archippus. So there's quite a few people mentioned here. In Romans chapter 16, there's another passage that mentions a lot of names, 34 names in that other chapter. But I I think what we can get out of this is the value in relationships and the value in friendships and people that we can trust, people that we can talk to and work with and, and, and proclaim Christ and promote Christ in our community. The point is, is that we're called to advance the kingdom of God, not to advance our own personal agenda or our own personal kingdom. And how we communicate is really very, very important. Last week I spoke on uh, how to live a holy life. And the end of that passage in verses 5 and 6 above uh, have to do with walking a holy life, talking, uh, talking the right way, the proper way. And so I've entitled the message today, The Power of Communication. And Paul's uh, 
expressive words regarding two valuable workers. We're going to go verse by verse like we usually do and then make application to what we just studied in those three verses. Now, when I get to the, we get to the point of the application, I want to give you five qualities of effective communication. But since there's five, we're not going to go deeply into each one. It'll take a whole other sermon to do that. But I will give you five things to think about. But first of all, let's go verse by verse. Everyone with me? Okay, verse number seven. Tychicus. Beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in Christ. This, this is high praise for another brother in the Lord. This is a, a, descriptive, a descriptive words to, uh, to, to let everyone know that Tychicus uh, is, is, uh, is uh, blessed and uh, ordained in a sense by Paul to be a good brother. And, and I wonder if you ever wonder, like I wonder, how do people think of you? Because this is something to really think about. What do, what do people in the church or on your job or in the community, what do they think of you? Can they describe you in this way as a, a beloved brother, a faithful minister, or a, faith, uh, or a fellow servant in the Lord? So I want to look at those three, those three descriptive words, beloved brother, first of all. This is someone who loves Jesus with all their heart. They're committed to the cause of Christ. And they're a brother because they have the same spiritual father. They're united with that spiritual father. And they're beloved. Now, what does it mean to be beloved? I think of uh, John the Apostle is called the beloved apostle. Um, someone who, who has... Uh, a soft spot for God, a soft spot in their heart for people. Um, what did Tychicus have? And Onesimus has it too in verse number nine. But what made them beloved? You know, I think there's a soft spot. I think there's a likability about them. There's a, a vulnerability that makes them genuine in the eyes of other people. Um, and you probably know people like this that are beloved brother or beloved sister. And unfortunately, you probably know people that are not like that. They're not so lovable. They're short tempered and grumpy and moody. And you never know if you're going to offend somebody. So you walk on eggshells. That's not what Tychicus is in this passage. He's someone who's a beloved, faithful brother. And then he says a faithful minister. And I want to just talk about that for a minute. Uh, we're all ministers of the Lord. We all have a function, whether it's in church or at home or on our job or in our community. But we, we're not all pastors, but we all have something to do. And, and Tychicus is faithful to, uh, in other words, he's proven, he's tested, he's kind of, uh, he, he's, he's proven himself not to be a quitter. He, he works through issues. And uh, he's a faithful minister of the Lord. This is a great asset for any church to have, faithful ministers. And he was also called, referred to as, a fellow servant. Serv someone who has a servant's heart. Someone who's not afraid to get involved and get their hands dirty and get going with the things of God. Someone who gives over and above, not looking for a handout, but uh, getting the job done. And he's a fellow servant, meaning he joined the ranks of the other workers. And there's a sense of unity and camaraderie and a sense of we are doing this, not I or you. It's we are doing this. He is a giver and not a taker. And so when I read verse number seven, there's a lot there in that, those three little phrases. Beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant. High compliments and a great description of Paul's, uh, Paul's view of Tychicus. And then it says, he will tell you all the news about me. So Paul's saying right off the bat, I'm sending you a faithful guy, a faithful servant, who will tell you all the news about me. So I wondered, why did Paul tell Tychicus to tell the people in Colossae all the news about him? Why did he pick him? Why did he choose him? Well, I would say there had to be a connection. There had to be a respect. There had to be... Uh, uh, some type of camaraderie that went above and beyond the norm. Now, Paul wasn't always so graceful with his words. You know, he told Timothy, uh, there are other people 
like uh, Hermonitis, Philetus, and Alexander the coppersmith. Don't go with them. Don't avoid them. They caused me harm. Don't associate with them. But here he's saying for Tychicus, he's a good man. I'm sending him on my behalf because I trust him. And I think any church needs a whole bunch of Tychicuses, if you could say that five times fast. But we need people that are trustworthy and faithful to the cause. Verse number eight says, I'm sending him to you. For this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your heart. So not only is he uh, sending him to tell them about his own situation, he wants to find out through Tychicus what's going on in their situation. And uh, so there were things going on there in the city of Colossae. There was false prophets. There was persecutions rising. There were issues going on. So he's sending him to go check on them and, and, and also to comfort their hearts. When I think of that passage, I think about in, let's see, Acts chapter 8. Great revival in Samaria going on. And uh, word got back to the church in Jerusalem. Hey, there's a revival in Samaria. And what did the church in Jerusalem do? They sent Peter and John up to the, at that area to find out what was going on. And they realized it was all good. They just hadn't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit yet. And they prayed and then they received that gift. I think of things like um, in Acts chapter 11, uh, the church of Antioch. Great revival in Antioch. Word, got, uh, word went down to Jerusalem. And, and the leaders in Jerusalem said, we better send someone up there to make sure that the church is doing okay. So they sent Barnabas, the encourager, up there. To minister. And it says when, you know what, we know this passage. When he got there, he saw the grace of God. He didn't see all the problems and all the issues. He saw good. He saw God moving in their midst. It says um, he was glad. He encouraged them to continue in their faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He brought great joy into that fellowship. In a similar way, Paul is sending Tychicus to the people of Colossae to be his representative and to give a good word of encouragement to let them know what's going on with Paul and to bring back word to Paul what's going on with them. And then in verse number 9, we read, uh, he's coming with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Same thing about, you know, he's faithful and beloved. But last week... uh, or, or two weeks ago, I think, yeah, two weeks ago, we spoke about, uh, if you look back in chapter 3, verse 22, to chapter 4, verse 1, we talked about the issue of bond servants and masters, slaves and masters, basically. <clears throat> and we turned that around to talk about our jobs and our boss and so, so on. But Onesimus was a bond servant. Let me tell you the story real quick so you can put it all together. Um, Philemon was a, a man that Paul knew, a beloved friend and co-laborer, Philemon. You can read the book of the letter to Philemon. But Philemon had a bondservant named Onesimus. And Onesimus apparently fled and got caught and was thrown into jail. And who does he meet while he's in jail? But the beloved Paul, the apostle. And Paul seizes the moment to tell Onesimus about Jesus, and Onesimus receives Christ as his Lord and Savior. So some time went by, and Paul's thinking, and and Paul decides to write Philemon a letter saying, listen, Onesimus is ready to get out of here. Can you welcome him back to your home, not as a slave or a bondservant, but as a brother in Christ? And apparently, I mean, uh, Philemon uh, agreed to do that, and and Onesimus came back and got situated. And now he's affiliated with Paul and Tychicus, but he's he's going with Tychicus to Colossae to be be a special, like, uh, envoy from Paul to minister to the church there. He says, um, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, meaning he's from the area, he's a Gentile believer, And he says, they will make known to you all the things that are happening here. So I I think of it, uh, Onesimus is faithful, beloved. Um, He's one of you. Uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, faithful and beloved. And it just strikes home to me how important it is to have 
integrity, to have a good reputation, for someone to say a good word about you goes a long, long way. I I can remember some years ago when I was trying to explain to someone about leadership in the church. And I mentioned the word reputation. This, This is a brother that didn't have a really good reputation. And he was kind of taken back by that. I'd never heard that before. And so I showed him in, in the scriptures where, where it's so important to have a good reputation. And he couldn't argue with it. But see, if we're representing Christ here or out there, we have to have a good reputation. In other words, we have to be kind of proven, tested, be able to, to withstand the, the pressures of life that come our way and still stand tall as a man or woman of God. So... The truth is about this is that such faithful and beloved co-workers and friends in, in ministry are not as common as one would think. Unfortunately, the epistles, church history, my own limited personal experience tells me that many so-called Christians have a personal agenda that throws a monkey wrench into the moving of God. I say that with sorrow because it grieves the Holy Spirit. But if you really study the epistles, you'll see many times Paul is addressing these very issues to the churches. And I, I wondered, how do people like, like uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, how do they bond with someone like Paul? And I, I came up, God gave me three things to think about. I'm not going to preach on these three things, but you may want to jot them down. But you may wonder sometimes, like, like, you know, even Jesus, come to think of it, he had his 12, but there were three of those 12 that were extra close to him. And you have to wonder, why was it like that? I, I think we could kind of discern there was a common purpose, there was a common interest, and there was a common passion among people that kind of grouped together. A common, a common purpose, a common interest, and a common passion. I think when people are close to one another, they listen to each other. That means one speaks and another listens, and then they speak and the other one listens, and there's not a lot of over-talking each other. You ever get into a situation like that? You, you can't get a word in edgewise. There's great communication on the other side, but you're sitting there saying, hey, what, can I have a chance? And so there's a lot of that. Culturally, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, there, there's... Um, uh, I think we, in these situations, we have to apply the love principles in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient and love is kind and love is not envious or jealous. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not rude. I, I, I don't like to say this, but I've met some Christian people that are just flat out rude. And it's not right. It's, it's not, it's not Christ-like. Uh, some are, uh, some are self-centered. But see, communication w- amongst believers has to be pure and holy and positive and uplifting. That's why it says in 4 verse 6, you know, let your speech be with, 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 with what? With grace and with salt. Let it be uplifting and uh, let it bring people up instead of put people down. That's what I was saying last week. Some people, you know, talk to me about how holy they are, and yet I know that their words are killing people. And the two don't compute in my mind and spirit. If you're a holy person, you will speak life to other people. And you'll, you'll let your, your own agendas die, and you'll promote other people more than yourself. So think of people like, say, Paul and Tychicus. Or how about Peter and John Mark? You know, John Mark had his issues. But he associated with Peter, and Peter gladly took him in. They had a good relationship. Think of David and Jonathan in the Old Testament, or Moses and Joshua. They all had a common purpose, a common interest, and a common passion. So verses 7 through 9, just to summarize real quick. Paul's in prison. He led Onesimus to Christ some time ago. He's sending him and Tychicus to Colossae to tell them about his situation and to find out how they are. So to me, this passage is all about communication. So sometimes I'll ask somebody, hey, how are you? And they'll give the custom answer, I'm doing great. And then I say, how are you really? And then we get into a conversation. Because everyone says they're great, but they're really not so great. 
So I want to talk about the power of communication. Listen, today, the lines of communication culturally are burning up. There's text, Instagram, Snapchat, email, Facebook, websites, cell phones, group text, etc., etc., etc. But not all communication is good. You know that? Try a group text and spell check gets me every time. I don't know about that thing. Someone will say, what did you say? I said, well, then I looked, I said, oh, man. But there's a lot of miscommunication going on with all the communication tools that we have today. And as a result, there are many hurt feelings going on. Think of, think of um, the importance of communication. You could ask any, any married couple that's been together for a long time how important communication is. I want to thank my wife, Pamela. She really taught me how to communicate. She's a great communicator. She's, she tells me, use, use word, a lot of words. Well, men sometimes are a little bit, you know, we kind of like don't, don't, don't want to say a whole lot, but use words. Be articulate. Write it down so you don't forget, but communicate. It's really important to communicate in a marriage. I, I find it funny that now she may be in the other room and I'll text her in the other room. It's just right around the corner. I could get up and go over, but I'll text her and see how she's doing. I think communication is really important with, between parents and children. You know, to really, uh, here's another problem. We often assume a lot of things. Well, I thought you were, I thought you said, or I thought I should, when really that assumption is somewhere in the sky. It, is, it was never really grounded in, into what they were saying. But just say it clearly. In the local church, which is what this message is really designed for, although it does overlap, uh, communication is a must. Like, what's going on? Who's doing what? Uh, who, what's the line of accountability? What's the expectation? What are the special needs or the prayer requests of the church? Uh, I can remember when I first started in the ministry as an assistant pastor. Many, many years ago, my pastor set me down with a, a job description. I said, this is what you do. And as he's telling me what I'm, what I'm supposed to do, he's throwing in what I'm not supposed to do. And it was very clear. He, he told me exactly what, you know, what, I was, what, what the job was all about. And so I knew what I was getting into. So I think here we have, let's see, Paul, the church of Colossae. There's a special bond. There's communication going on. And in, in the church setting, we could learn from, I'd say from verse 7 all the way to the end of the, of, the, of the chapter, communication among believers is really, really very important. So I want to give you five qualities of effective communication based on these three verses of Scripture. They're applicable to church life. But I believe they're applicable to different parts of your life as well. And I'm going to go, I'm not going to go deeply into every one because it would take too long. But number one is this. When you want to communicate effectively, number one, make sure you're in Christ. Have you ever communicated when you're not in Christ? It's not pretty, church. That old man, that old woman, that old nature comes out. It comes out of your mouth and it's not good. It's not right. It's not holy. So if you want to be an effective communicator, first of all, make sure you're in Christ. Look back in chapter 3 for a second. Verses 1 through 4. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paraphrase all that. When you communicate, communicate as a man or woman of God. You're redeemed, you're, you're, you're born again, you've got the Spirit of God on you, and communicate in such a way that you're giving hope and giving, giving a, a desire for you know, clearly articulating what's going on and communicating your heart. Our communication should seek to build and not destroy. Look at Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. It says, put on these qualities, you know, mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, bearing with one another. It's all about relationships with people, communicating with people. We can't effectively communicate with people while we're holding a grudge. 
While we're trying to get even or trying to score our points to get the victory over somebody. It doesn't work that way. If we're in Christ, it means that we're humble and we're broken and we're willing to admit when we're wrong. Somebody say amen. Amen. And and, and listen, I have been there numerous times on both sides of that issue. But see, when you're in Christ, you're, you're often used as a peacemaker, not a warmonger. Yeah, and your sins are confessed. Your, your slate is clean. Your pride is in check. You, 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 you don't, you don't want to hurt somebody. You want to love people into the kingdom of God. I say it all the time. Love God, love people. That Danny Gokey song is still on my heart. Love God and love people. So if you want to be an effective communicator, first of all, make sure you're in Christ. Number two is this. Understand spiritual authority. Of course, this refers to a church setting. But in Colossians 1, verses 1 and 2, we see Paul, the apostle, is writing to the church or to the saints of Colossae. And in chapter 4, uh, where we just read 7 through 9, we see Tychicus and Onesibus are, 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 were sent by Paul to the church And we see a line of communication and a line of authority. Let me give you a little bit of uh, spiritual authority 101. Everyone with me? Spiritual authority 101. There's God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit doing things, working in our lives. And after we come to know Him and accept Him as Lord and Savior, we are supposed to be involved in a local church. That's like right underneath God. There's God, then there's a local church. And a local church is designed for every believer to be a part of. In the local church, there is a pastor and church leaders that are called and vetted and proven and approved by a greater uh, governing body of that fellowship. Uh, When I was uh, brought in as the pastor here, There was a presbyter of the Assemblies of God for this area that came to conduct a business meeting with the members of the church. And uh, those members voted either yay or nay for Pamela and myself. And that presbyter was overseeing the meeting. So um, we were in that position because we already were approved by the higher ups in our organization. And then that was affirmed by the by the membership here. Uh, So the pastor then leads the church, teaches, preaches, corrects, uh, disciplines when necessary, trains and equips the, the believers, raises up other people to do the same so that the church is equipped and ready for ministry. So here we have, uh, uh, we have Paul and Tychicus and Onesimus. But see, a pastor is supposed to have people like Tychicus and Onesimus and Silas's and Timothy's and so on and so forth that help with the functioning of the church. And in a local church setting, it's all good, it's all healthy, it's all productive, and and things are going well, except when some of those workers have a different view of spiritual authority. I've seen it, and it's not pretty. I said it earlier, but Paul wrote to Timothy one time, you know, listen to these people, but don't listen to these people. Avoid these people. And so uh, with effective communication, there's got to be a way of, of saying, OK, I know what my responsibilities are. I, I know I know who I'm accountable to. Uh, I, I know that uh, I, I accept my position as a part of the team. I, I accept my position as like on a sports team. Not everyone makes the touchdown. Not everyone catches the ball. Not everyone throws the ball. A lot of people do a lot of other things to make the team successful. But in a church, there's got to be all of that happening. And to understand the authority of the church. Uh, I was an assistant pastor for seven years in Greenwich, Connecticut. I definitely knew my boundaries. And I'm happy to say I never had an issue with my pastor or the board uh, because I respected their role in my life. But listen, that's, that's me. I respected... The guy that owned that dog kennel I was talking about a few weeks ago. Even though I hated the job, but I respected the owner because it was his business. So that's something, I don't know if, if it we're in a different culture or a different time, but respect for authority is really very important. The church will function way better when there's respect for authority. Okay, so number one is 
Make sure you're in Christ. Number two is understand spiritual authority in the church. I've had people, I wasn't going to get into this. I've had people put their finger in my face and tell me a thing or two several times over the last 30 years. Not many, thank God, but I've had a few. I've had a few people hang up on me. It's not a good feeling. And my line is always something to the effect of, but I thought I was the pastor. And I don't think pastors are supposed to be treated that way. I don't think I, I don't personally think I warranted ever that. In their mind, I guess I did, but it makes church life difficult. I don't know if you could imagine this, but imagine, uh, how could I say it? Uh, going to your job, knowing that all these people have a problem with you. And it's unjustified. How do you function in a place like that? Only through the grace of God. But, it, but it's multiplied ten times worse for a pastor that's supposed to be in a loving, caring, nurturing environment. But people are mad at you for something you did or didn't say. Or they assume that you said or they assume, assume what you meant. This is all about communication. Too many people get hurt for a lack of communication. I don't know anyone that really got hurt by too much communication. Maybe, maybe it's possible, but um, most people get hurt because they don't know. Or they assume. So make sure you're in Christ. If you want to be an effective communicator, make sure you're in Christ. Make sure you understand the spiritual authority. Like when I was an assistant pastor, there were certain areas I would not even talk to my pastor about. Because that wasn't my role. That was, he, he was doing his thing. He was the leader. It's fine. I knew what I had to do. I wouldn't even discuss certain things. And, and that church... Is very effective. It still is effective. I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, number three is this. Is it on the screen yet? Get off your high horse. Come on now. Some people arrive at a certain point in church, and man, they think that they've become God's gift. It is so wrong. It's so detrimental to the overall functioning of the church. But look at, look at Colossians 4 and verse number 11. I'm going to skip down just a little bit. But it says uh, about all these people, it says that they have proven to be a comfort for me. See, a Christian character, Christian integrity in relationships in church should be, you know, uh, described as kind and patient and humble, not greedy, not rude, but a comfort to one another. Listen, I can't even tell you how many, I am comforted by some of you that will call me, text me, how you doing? I'm praying for you, whatever. Is everything okay with your mother down in New York? That comforts my heart when I receive those kind of sentiments from the church. But some people don't bring a comfort. I'm sorry to say, they're, they're more of a thorn in the flesh than they are a comfort to a person. And if it happens on a pastoral level, it must happen within the body of Christ. And you ever wonder why, well, now I'm getting into this, but you ever wonder why someone will just leave? Most of the time, I have nothing to do with it. But they had a problem with somebody in the church. How I wish I had known or could have intervened or something, but somebody said something, somebody looked the wrong way, something happened. They're not coming to this church anymore. And often, often it is someone that has a little bit of authority. Because, you know, some people... That, have, that grow up with nothing, and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over time, they have a position in a church, they really think they're special. I have, I have another point after this, so don't, don't worry. But in other words, we can't be serving on our high horse. We have to be serving with the servant's heart, humbly, broken before God and before people. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. you know this one. Pride comes before the fall. And if we don't get humble before the the Lord, guess what? He'll knock us down to get us humble. I've seen that happen too. But we have to get off our high horse and be Christ-like and and serve like Jesus served. You know, um, but, but okay, number four is this. On the other hand, we have to be confident in our calling. So yeah, there's a balance here. Whatever you're called to do, do it with all your heart. But get off the high horse about it. Just go about the Father's business. 
But be confident in what God has called you to do. Tychicus, we see it in Colossians 4, we see it in Ephesians 6, we see it in uh, 2 Timothy 4 and Acts chapter 20. He was a companion of Paul. He was a messenger of Paul. He was a good, solid brother. He never tried to be Paul. He never tried to be a pastor. He, he knew what he was. He was, he was a helper, uh, an encourager. Like, like Barnabas never had these aspirations to be a minister. He was an encourager in the faith. I, I can remember um, at, at Harvest Time Assembly, when I was the as, uh, assistant pastor, uh, after I left, the senior pastor had left, and uh, they got a new pastor. Then they, they, they got a, a new associate pastor. And they've been pastoring together for 25 years or more. What I'm saying is, uh, the associate pastor, listen to this, was a lawyer. He, he let go of his lawyering and studied to become a minister. And the senior pastor said, I like that. And I like you. I like who you are. And God's leading. I, I want to ask you to be my associate pastor. He's been an associate pastor for 25 years, going strong to this day. What does that do to the church, the stability of a church? There's no ego. There's no, he never aspired to be a senior pastor. He, he knows his spot. He's content. He's happy. He's challenged. But that church went from 200 when I left to over 1,000 right now with a brand new multi-million dollar building in Greenwich, Connecticut to boot. So Colossians 3.17 in, in 3.23. Uh, I'll just paraphrase. Whatever you do, whatever you're called to do, fortune, God bless you for cleaning the church the other day. Do it with all your... I know you did. I could tell it was clean when I came back. Great cleaner over here. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart for God. Be the best whatever you have to be. And uh, I would encourage you to, if you don't know your gifting, find your gifting. Romans chapter 12, a great place to start. Find your gifting. Find your niche in the church. And do it with all your heart. Don't get on a high horse, but be a servant of the Lord in your calling, in your zone, in your area, in your expertise. And if God were to raise you up and send you out, well, hallelujah, we'll have a grand old time and pray over you and send you out to become a pastor, which we've done before. But every church I know has, my old church in Harvest Time in Greenwich, I told you this before, there are people, we've been away since 1993. There are people down there still doing what they were doing when we were there. Ushering, teaching, worshiping, whatever, leading worship. They found their niche. And that church is so strong right now because people found their place in the body of Christ. And I know we could have that here as well. So the last thing is this. If we want to be an effective communicator, we got to be, we have to communicate with Jesus. Come on. We can't communicate with each other if we're not talking to Jesus. And if we talk to Jesus, guess what? We'll communicate with each other a whole lot differently than how we may have otherwise. Colossians 4, verses 2 and 3, last week. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Communicate with Jesus. Pray. Pray specifically. And, and, and that alone will put you in the right position to communicate with other people. And it starts at home, may I say. It starts with communicating with your spouse or your kids or your family. And then it, it goes from there to your church people, to your people at work. But if there's no communication with God in the first place, man, we're, we're wide open to make a blunderous fool of ourselves and say things we don't want to say. But as we spend time with Jesus, he tempers us. He speaks to us. He changes us. Uh, I, I said it the other week. When we pray, we're the ones who are changed more than anybody else. So, in conclusion, the power of communication. We have to make sure, if you want to be an effective communicator, make sure you're in Christ. Make sure you understand spiritual authority. That will probably eliminate a lot of problems right there. If everyone knew what your place was in the church. 
get humble, serve with humility, get off the high horse, serve humbly, and be thankful. How about being thankful when you're picking up, here's one you all will appreciate, I'm thankful when I jump in that dumpster out there. I am. I'm thankful I could save the church money. I realize, sincerely, I know you all think I'm a little nutty, but that's all right. I've saved, I've saved this church thousands of dollars by jumping in that dumpster. And I'm happy about it. I feel the Lord's pleasure with me doing that. Next time, I think I'm going to start praising the Lord while I'm at it. You know, why not? <laughs> so, so be in Christ. Understand spiritual authority. Get humble. Uh, be confident in your calling. You know, it's okay to whatever. Be a nursery worker or, or uh, where's, where's Kelly? Is Kelly downstairs? Kelly is the most faithful tambourinist I've ever met in my life. She is good and faithful at playing that tambourine. When we don't have a tambourine, I feel like something's missing. She has taken it to a high level. She's the only tambourinist I know that has music in front of her. She has the words, what to do in certain parts of each song, little notations she makes. Here I have to do, do double, here I do single, here I'm on the beat, here I'm on the offbeat, all these little things. She is excellent at what she does. She's taken that to a high level. And she blesses the church with that. And, and the last one is, 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 you want to be an effective communicator with people, make sure you communicate with Jesus. That's where it all begins. So can we stand together? I shared earlier how uh, I had a tough day yesterday. I'm still feeling a little tired from all my worry about my silly old wallet that I finally found. It was so upsetting. I kept saying, Lord, how am I going to preach? I can't find my wallet. But I believe he gave me a word to share today. The power of communication. I'm communicating with you. I'm really human. When I lose things... I'm not happy. <laughs> I can't get into my groove until I find things. You know, it's, it's a tough thing. <laughs> Somebody said that. But anyway, anyway, the power of communication. Think about it. We have, we have this. God has communicated to us his love through this. Let's take it, apply it. And live it out with one another. This church will be better for it. It really will. You know and I know there are thousands of souls right around here. That neighborhood, that neighborhood, north and south, that need to know Jesus. You know? Now, they, they may not come here out of the blue. They might if they read the sign and convicted by the Holy Spirit. But as you interact with your families your friends, your co-workers, whatever, your schoolmates, and you shed the light of Christ, and you communicate well the things of God. I know God will touch people's lives. The, the opposite of that is true as well. If we don't communicate well, people will want nothing to do with God or His church. So yeah, we're under a spotlight, kind of. You know, we're, we're being read as the saying goes, we are maybe the only gospel some people will ever read. We are. How we live, how we talk, etc. Anyway, every head bowed for just a moment. I uh, just want to wrap this up. Doug, maybe you could come and provide a little music for us here, a little worship. I mean, communication... I think it all begins with understanding how God has communicated with us. He speaks through the Spirit of God. I, I remember I used to tell people, you, you can't feel God. Go take a walk on the beach. Go take a walk in the woods. Or look at a little baby. Look at a newborn and tell me you can't see God. No, he speaks through His Spirit, through life, through nature. But as we think about God communicating with us, our response should be, yes, Lord, I want you in my life. So I, my first thing today is, is there anybody here, maybe someone at home on the live stream, by the way, that needs to accept Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior? 
and you want to, you feel like you need to communicate back to the Lord that you're saying, yes, Lord, I want you. Anyone like that? Raise your hand if that's you. I just want to receive Jesus today. How about this? Anyone here that feels like I just, I just want to communicate better? What I say isn't really what I feel all the time. I'm thinking this, but it comes out wrong. And I, I put the proverbial foot in my mouth more than I care to admit. Lord, help me to be a better communicator. And there was one part of the message I shared about being confident in your calling, but some of you don't know what your calling is. But uh, let me, you know, it could be, like I said before, it could be taking care of your family. It could be working and providing. It could be helping your parents or whatever. Or it could be a church. It could be something at work that you're doing. But discover your calling. Read Romans 12 and find out a little bit more about that. Anyone want to discover your calling? Yes? Yes? Hallelujah. step out of your seat, just come up here. Doug, if you could lead us in that, that chorus, that would be wonderful. Father, Close out the service today. Come we on, sing it, church. Yes, Lord. Yes, we Lord. We worship and adore. We worship
downstairs, workers downstairs. Just pray, Lord, your blessing on everyone. Lord, help us to be better communicators. Let us be uh, better listeners. Let us listen to you first. And let us listen to one another and share the things of God. Lord, let, let this fellowship be known as a church that communicates the love of God clearly and articulately. Father, we pray for anyone that was offended or hurt over the years. We just pray, Lord, forgive us for that. And we pray for those that left for whatever reason to be comforted by your Holy Spirit right now. So, Lord, help us to do better. Help us to be more Christ-like in our day-to-day interaction with each other. So, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the example of Paul and Tychicus and Onesimus. Let us incorporate these principles into our communication in these days. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, you have to communicate with somebody. Tell somebody something good. Tell somebody something good before you go home. Shout Jesus from the mountain. Then you can go get a cup of coffee together. 